Okay, I'm recording. Let's talk about it. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> That's I, how all good stories start. <laughs> many law schools require you to note, like, not only all the, like, dumb activities you did in college, just kidding, all my college extracurriculars are really important, but also the activities you did after college. Like, your hobbies is, like, a full adult. <laughs> Wait, do you and... consider yourself a full adult currently? I mean, I'm out of college, so okay, okay, okay. <laughs> that's there's no other option there. That's so I, the only thing I do besides being an organizer in the Democratic Socialists of America is this podcast. <laughs> and like embroidery and like cooking or whatever, but those aren't things I can put on like a list of hobbies. So I put this podcast on a law school application that I won't name. And at first I was like, oh no, they're going to hear me talk about my big crush on Chris Christopherson. But then, turns out admissions are fake. Uh, they are. <laughs> College is a scam. You can just Photoshop your head onto some... Well, I guess they don't recruit for crew in law school. They're not as worried about the athletic scholarships there. I, I could have put crew on my post-college activities lists, I guess. I you could have done anything. I could just say that I'm a pole vaulter. <laughs> Just kidding. My mom is not rich enough to bribe college admissions officers, and she would not, even if she was. I, I don't know. My parents might if they were, just to, like, flaunt it, because they would love to have the money. But they can't, unfortunately. Actually, no, fortunately. Imagine being Olivia Jade right now. It must be pretty hard. Oh, it must be so hard to be really rich. It must be so hard to get sponsored by Amazon Prime to, like, film your power strip in your dorm room and call it a very important part of, like, your college hall. She's like, these are so helpful, you know, like, outlets. <laughs> I could truly write an entire book about my day yesterday reading those indictments because all anyone in my office talked about all day. I But we, we were just hung up. The cut was just coming out one after another. They were like, all the details. Olivia Jade's YouTube career, like everything I wanted to know. I literally like read the full text of the indictments on the DOJ's website, but but Casey, we're not here to talk about criminals today, are we? I wish we were, but this isn't Who Weekly, is it? Oh my god, can you not wait for the next Who Weekly episode? I'm so excited. (laughs) Casey, what are we talking about on the podcast this week? Today we're talking about A Star is Born, but the A Star is Born made in 1976 by Barbara Streisand, essentially. Am I wrong Uh or am I wrong? Yeah, I would say that Barbara Streisand made a film as, and John Peters made a film as other people tried to make another film around them. <laughs> the article that you sent me, which we will talk about later in this conservative as a teaser, um, was the highlight of my day when I read it. Until I read The College Scandal, it was a highlight. Okay. So my name is Allison Raybar. And my name is Casey Schreiner. And this is What Did I Miss? College Scandal Edition. Okay. Okay. We can talk about other things now. We can talk about it so much. So this is not a podcast where we talk about uh, parents committing racketeering to get their kids into college. We talk about (laughs) movies that are classics of the genre. 
that we did not see while we were studying film for four years at a college that we got into on our own merit. Uh, actually, I was a sports recruit. I'm not even joking. I applied early decision because the coach said, you will get in if you apply early decision. And I was like, I don't want to fill out more applications. <laughs> I was I'm afraid. Smart, guys. I was afraid to befriend you our freshman year because I knew you were an athlete and you intimidated me. I wasn't. I wasn't a tin, an intimidating athlete. And yeah. here I am, a definitely not as intimidating, artsy, nonprofit worker. <laughs> you too so, can make this transition, kids. <laughs> so we, this week we watched the 1976 A Star is Born, starring Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. And directed by Frank Pearson. But many would argue and that's not I, the case. Another thing we can get to later. Barbara Streisand would argue that's not the case. <laughs> Probably, yes. So, Casey. Yes? What, what? Tell me, like, tell me your initial reaction to this film. There's so much to go through. We're going to just I, have to start at the top. Tell me what you came to this film what knowing. What I came to this film knowing was that I'd watched it once when I was, like, 10, but, like, I didn't really watch it because it's very long. I knew that it was written by Joan Didion, who, like every white girl... Sort, sort of. of. It went through a lot of rewrites, but they ultimately got the credits done in Didion. I knew it had Babs, who my mom said like sung like an angel. My mom loves anyone, any Jew who's that famous. She admires. Uh, I, exactly. Um, that's what she said. I knew there was like a hairy guy in it, but I like had, didn't know who Chris Christopherson was. I thought it was weird he had two <laughs> first names. That, or that I like. I thought it was weird. His parents were like Chris, and then they were like Chris Christophers. Like what? Why did they do that? <laughs> Wild. Sure. sure. But I mean, it, it, there's so many st- stars being born that I didn't really think of this one too often. Except when I saw it more recently, I had a lot of other feelings. Mostly feelings and fewer thoughts. Honestly. Does that make sense? I also, I came to this film with a lot of feelings and I came out of it with even more feelings. So I have a creeping sensation that we have similar feelings, but I want to know your experience with this film first. So this is A Star is Born that I did not see until I was in college. When in college did you watch this? I honestly do. I'm going to say, like, junior year, because that's when my depression was the weirdest. Is that when we cried in Michael's? Yes, that was the year okay. we cried in Michael's. So, I don't... This is embarrassing to say. I don't know that much about Barbara Streisand, other than the fact that, like, she's Barbara uh, Streisand. And I saw, like, Yentl in in high school. See, I know even less about Barbara. Like... But the thing is, it's less embarrassing for me, because but... I'm a jock who got into school not entirely on merit, and you're a theater kid. I am a theater kid. That said, I'm, like, familiar that, like, she is Barbara Streisand. The thing, a lot of the baggage that I bring to this movie is that um, one of my, like, big formative experiences as a young person, like, the first musical I ever really loved is Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, are you familiar with Jesus I Christ am. Superstar? I am. I've never seen it, though. I just, like, know what it is. So it's a it's a rock opera. Based on, like, the last 30-some days of Jesus' life. It's written by Andrew Lloyd Webber. And it was written in 19... It's premiered in 1970. And I've seen, like, the film version, which was made in 1973. And it's, like, a very 70s vibe. Everyone's shirts are unbuttoned down to their belly button. Everyone's got the 70s hair. Everyone's wearing bell bottoms and rope belts. 
And I used to, like, dance in front of this VHS tape when I was a child. Like, I watched it every week. I loved Jesus Christ Superstar, and it was very formative. That's very weird. And the whole concept, I know, the whole concept of Jesus Christ Superstar is that Jesus is a rock star. And so my idea of rock stars was formed very early on. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He looks like Jesus. Is that what we're getting at? Oh, That's, my God. No, I'm, I'm, when I watch this movie, I'm like, Chris Christopherson is a rock star because this is what I know rock stars are. Ew. They're men who wear unbuttoned flowing white shirts and Do you know how many, like, Catholics have told me they definitely, like, ha- got crushes on, like, the dead Jesuses on those cross statues you hang above your door oh, yeah. window? Or, or, or door or window? Google, like... Google, like, Jesus Christ Superstar 1973 right now, and you will, like, see that everyone... This is what Chris Christopherson is dressed like. I mean... <laughs> so, like... Okay. My re- so this is the first A Star is Born where, like, I'm seeing it and I'm like, that is the kind of star that I understand and I have a personal connection with. Like, when I watch Judy Garland, I understand that, like, she's Judy Garland and she's a star, but it's not like I was ever, like, organically watching no. Judy Garland. Yeah, happened, none of us you know? really were. Because um, yeah. we were born in the 90s. But, like... Can I interrupt real quick? <laughs> I saw... You don't want me to keep talking about Jesus Christ Superstar? Anyway, I think Chris Christopherson is God. That's what I'll close with. Okay, I'll just wrap okay. that up. Uh, when you said um, about the kind of star you were expecting, did you mean Chris Christopherson or did you mean Barbara Streisand? Because you compared it to... I meant so Chris Christopherson. Who do you think... Do you think Chris Christopherson is the most believable former star of the other three former stars we have slated well he's just someone that like i'm familiar with like i don't i don't have an experience of these like shakespearean you have an experience like, of bradley Hollywood cooper though. actors i think we can bring that into this conversation i think we can um i just i feel like chris christopherson is like i understand what like rock star culture is like in a way that i like did not under i had to sort of learn what like the star system of hollywood was like, cause the movie stars back then are very different than the movie stars, like, we are getting, yeah. we grew up with. But, like, when you say, like, when I see him performing at, also, this entire movie is filmed around where I grew up. So, like, when I see him performing <laughs> in, like, a Phoenix stadium, I'm like, oh, got it. Oh, yeah, yeah you like the that. desert, too. I see, the, I see the crowd. It's like, it's like I've been to half the, the locations that this movie shot in. <laughs> okay, you're, like, breathing deeply right now. I'm, like, a little worried. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm loving it. So, yeah, like, I... I feel like this film, it's awakened something inside of me. Okay. This podcast could get uncomfortable sooner rather than later, but it hopefully won't. That's all I'll say. I mean, I too thought Chris Christopherson was hot, if that's what we're trying to get at. No, I'm talking about, like, I don't have to, like, think about it. I just see... I'm talking about the star as an image, if you will I, i'm like the star is a sign like i feel like i understand what this film is trying to communicate to me about mm-hmm. chris christopherson and the film also knows what it's trying to communicate about chris christopherson i do not think the film knows what it's trying to say about barbara streisand well, that's interesting because i have a thesis kind of about that too in relation to richard dreyer or um do we even have to really give a synopsis of this movie what do you think are the big differences between this uh, well, film and the other ones for our loyal So listeners. the big difference is that <laughs> we have moved away from movie stars. We had a movie star, and then we had a movie star who sang, and now we have a rock star. Mm. So other than that, it's it's basically the same. Also, he's no longer Norman Maine. His name is John Norman Howard. LOL. <laughs> 
we no longer have Esther Blodgett. We have Esther Hoffman because she's Jewish. And we're dealing with a countercultural, um, like a counterculture audience rather than like mainstream Hollywood situation. Yeah. I think that's also kind of important. This is like rock star 70s as opposed to studio yeah. system. Mid-century. Yeah. yeah, I think those are the big differences. If you've seen the 2018 A Star is Born, it is the closest oh, to this one. And that they just tweak the genre. And we also get more like desert vibes. Like if I could do that, like asterisk and star symbol around vibes, like everyone likes to write. More horses. More horses. More, um, ooh, I don't even want to say tribal print. I'm air quoting that. I'm sorry, but it's true. But also. So that that's yeah, the film but we're we all about. we hit the same major plot points. Uh, I would say the only huge difference. I feel like you're upset with how coldly I'm dissecting the plot of this movie. With how, no, no, I'm I'm glad someone okay. Can be well, here I'm to do that. gonna be that person. Um, the only main difference we're dealing with is instead of a a very uh, peaceful walk into the ocean as a way to kill oneself. Oh yeah. We instead down a beer, put on our wife's music after listening to a solid minute and a half of our own music, and like drive into a pole. Um, uh, I think his car actually takes like a bend and then just flies off the road. He he kills himself while driving in a Ferrari at 160 yeah. miles per hour. Uh, which honestly, way of a more of a oh rock yeah, it to totally fits. Swimming in the absolutely ocean absolutely fits, and honestly, it fits with his character. Just like the other two, like more docile. Like we kind of said, effeminate, like Hollywood dudes, like walked into the ocean. Like that's how you expect like a fancy ass movie star to die. Like I think, of course, Brad Pitt. Actually, I don't know about Brad Pitt. I think Ryan Gosling would walk into the ocean. I think Brad Pitt would drink a lot. Okay, I'm happy we can agree on that. But I'm glad you brought up that difference of character because this week's chapter in Richard Dyer is about stars and then the characters they play and sort of how we construct characters and how stars are part of constructing that and how this is also separate from like the personality of the celebrity or the star behind that character um and why do you think this is so much this is more pertinent for this movie or this section of dyer's reading i think it's more pertinent here we sort of talked about this in the judy garland episode how there's this like this interesting tension uh, between Judy Garland playing, like, the ingenue, which she is, like, someone who's trying to bounce back from her career being derailed mm-hmm. by drug addiction. And there's, like, there's a tension there that's interesting to watch. But in this film, we have, like, an aging rock star playing an aging rock star. And the director, Frank Pearson, wrote this article talking about, like, yeah, Chris Christopherson, when he played drunk, he would basically, like, drink. Mm. And then he'd, like, do a scene. That checks out. So I I think this film, more than the other two, have Chris Christopherson is really playing directly on his star persona. And Barbara Streisand is a famous singer who has not yet had a big career crash, who she's just trying to uh, play an ingenue straight. So we're really dealing with a situation where, like, both of our main stars are, like, in a position where they're real quote-unquote selves are contextually informing or their personalities are informing their character essentially um Mm -hmm. yeah and this film i think more than the others gives us a lot more background on we'll call him the norman character since he's 
Norman Maine and That's now John Norman. That's also because this thing is like two um, and a half hours long. <laughs> I'm shorter than Judy Garland. But it feels longer. <laughs> it does. It feels it does a lot feel longer. longer. So I think it's important to like have these definitions, right? What is a star and what is a character? A character, I'll tell you what I think from what I read, which is the first sentence of every mm-hmm. paragraph of those readings. Because that's what I was taught to do in history We are class. doing what, what we did, did in college. college and yes. what I do now. Uh, character as opposed to a star is what you're asking me? Yeah, so, like, what is a star and, like, how is that different than, like, the character they're playing the on? The character film? they're playing on film is constructed by, like... There's a roundedness to them. There's a motivation to them. There's, like, things that have to incite conflict or, like, incite consistency in how they act. Um, whereas a star is kind of, like, the vessel with which, like, the audience kind of, like, can aspire to while at the same time inhabit in a extra textual sense. Like... You're, when you watch someone like Barbara Streisand, you're thinking about her character in the movie, in this movie. Uh, you're thinking about, like, her roundedness as her, like, I don't know, sometimes surprising expect- acceptance of, like, her partner, but also, like, the consistency in her willing to, like, fight back at him or, like, be clever with him, like, consistently. I don't know. Weird examples. Um, whereas, like, you're also thinking about the personality of Barbara Streisand as... <laughs> Like a superstar, essentially. And you see that you're you're thinking about these two things at the same time while you watch this movie. Is that a broad idea of it, you would say? Yeah, yeah I think that was really good. I think, because we talked about in the, in the first episode of A Star is Born, where we were talking about, like, stars are created through both, like, what's in the press about them, what the studio says about them. Like, they're, they're, product, they're produced yeah. things. Like, we're not just talking about, like, Barbara Streisand yeah. as a person. We're talking about, like, Barbara Streisand as a concept. And then it interacts with character. Like, you can't just take away Barbara Streisand and be like, here is Esther Hoffman. Yeah. But but a character on film has plot. They have lines to say. Um, they, they are told what to do. They have all these things they do outside of the star image. So when characters sort of came out of this this concept of, like, types in a novel, right? Or if you're thinking Commedia dell'arte in, like, Italian theater, you have, like, the fool, the hero, the cowboy. Love a cowboy. The the ingenue, the slut, like, all these, like, types that don't really have a specificity. And as novels developed in the 17th and 18th century, we got to have, like, specific characters with, like, names. (laughs) <laughs> and ideas and like <laughs> things to latch on to that like feel specific in a way that otherwise wouldn't be i mean just like as your as your media it gets more sophisticated like your characters your plots your narratives get more specific and niche to so- like i think that's mm-hmm. totally true even especially of now like i just finished pen 15 what a fucking yeah. niche concept oh, but we don't have so to talk good. about that and i <laughs> I like the way that Dyer teases this out. He talks about like the types, and then he talks about characters developing, and then he talks about how people develop characters yeah. like, with star images. So like, there's a type like tragic hero, and there's a character that's like Hamlet. But we talk about different Hamlets yeah. in different ways. Like Lawrence Olivier's Hamlet is different than Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet, and that's like a meaningful distinction yes. that people can make. Uh, and I think that's what is a Star Is Born if not our Hamlet. 
I completely agree with you. I'm like literally no, not and you shouldn't be. Yeah. And Hamlet's like a great example, but it's also like a tired one because it's so goddamn old, and because like we've seen so I've seen many so Hamlets. Many. I've only seen four Star Borns. I I like David Tennant as Hamlet, but anyway. But yeah, you have all of these different Hamlets, and they're informed by these different ways you see people based on their appearance, gesture, uh, an understanding of their, like, outside personality, if that exists. Like, are any of us real, honestly, is really the question we're getting at in any sense here. But, like, as we're talking about mm-hmm. Dyer, my feelings are is we're just kind of, like, funneling down to the basic idea. Like, we talked about the star as a vessel to inhabit, then you talked about the star in that second section kind of with Judy Garland as, like, the extra-textual personality as no longer being so much a vessel, and now we're, like, ultra-specific, inhabiting a character while also being an Mm extra-textual personality at the most specific point. And, like, as we get to Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, we're only getting to get that more. But that's for another time. like, 100%. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I think it's interesting that we can talk about this Lady Gaga. Like, that's her first film mm-hmm. role. Whereas Barbara Streisand had been an actress before. Yeah. This is not her first yeah. film role. But I, Lady so, Gaga like, does... We don't necessarily come in yeah, with the blanks. She does have, like, such an established career that it's not... It's not going to, like, make or break her. Like I said last week, it's not, like, that situation where, like, is the star is born? It's not a Naked Brothers band where is the star going to be born? <laughs> And, like, I wouldn't have known God the star beforehand, it. but I thought everyone else did. You know what I mean? <laughs> Casey, you have to stop mentioning Naked Brothers Band do on this I? podcast. Like, I do. I'm going to sip on this gin <laughs> and just keep talking insane. about it. Oh, um, my God. Okay. Anyway. Casey, you can wreck your podcast, but you can't wreck mine. That was oh a my quote God. Uh. <laughs> so, if we're talking about um, how we build characters how we build star personas we already talked about it's through production it's through press it's through dress and gesture and like conceptions of what they are versus who they want to be what goes into a character what are the signs what are the signs not the the mel gibson signs but the other signs (laughs) not the zodiac signs the other signs um i can't come up with another signs reference uh i'm tired that's all i got uh so Good example. I like the idea of gesture a lot because I think this is something that is super emblematic of certain people. I love love gesture gesture. because I really like John Wayne and his persona Mm -hmm. was about gesture. Um, Tell me what gesture means. Gesture means it's mannerisms, but it's not mannerisms in the way that they're necessarily like inherent to you. Like if I push up my glasses a lot, in this case, it's like John Wayne had a very specific type of walk. But it's not like that was necessarily going to continue to, like, be natural to him, but it is natural to his star persona, or it is indicated as natural to us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, like, I do the John Wayne walk. I don't become John Wayne, but, like, it's part of him. It's part... <laughs> Correct. <laughs> John Didion. Love John Wayne. <laughs> Just bring it all back. Um, another... Another, like, really great example, I think, in relation to A Star is Born is even the name of a character, like, can really give us a lot. So Stanley Stanley Kowalski in A Streetcar Named Desire versus Blanche Dubois. You have an automatic assumption about Working class, uh, failed, rich person. She hasn't yes, gotten it out of her done. head that her parents pay for her to go to college, and now she's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in A Star is Born, we have, like, Esther Blodgett, and you're like, 
that is a podunk exactly. town lady. Versus Vicky Lester. Apparently we're supposed to find that glamorous. Yeah, I never understood that. I was like, this just sounds harsh to me. But um, I don't know. And some other examples that Dyers gives about signs that audience can use to latch onto characters. Um, the way they speak, if it's an accent or what they actually say, and the way others speak about them. Um, audience foreknowledge. So if you've seen like the trailer of a film, you probably think you know who like the hero and villain are. Um, they t- he talks about something called objective correlatives, and that's sort of like what mm-hmm. they're shot with. If we're talking about the mise en scène, which is French for put on I don't stage, know, like I think. something I don't know. about a scene. <laughs> it's what's in the frame. So if someone's always shot with like holding a gun, or if they take up the entire frame versus being a very small person to the side of a frame, um, structure. So like what the character does in the plot. Um, what happens to them in the plot, that sort of thing. These are all signs that we latch on to for characters that tell us about and them. And it's also important to note with this reading that, like, you're taking so much from, like, novelistic uh, tendencies here. This is all, mm-hmm. like, based on, like, written narrative. And this is just the idea of, like, mapping that onto, like, visual narrative structures that we see in, like, movies. Um, callback? Yeah, the one... No, I lost it. Oh, call back to Mulvey. We got to talk about the language, or we used to talk about the language of dreams in trying to discuss, like, how do you talk about films is always what you're wrestling with here. And here's just mapping novelistic characters onto films. Continue. Yeah, it's different from how we talk about, like, a written character, like, reading a script versus how they're put on screen. We're going to talk about the way they're, they're shot and the way they look and, like, what they are literally doing with their bodies on screen is this added element on top of the novelization. And what I really like the Dyer, he draws this distinction between novelistic characters and film characters because he says they're a little more comparable to serialized characters, like in a Dickens novel yeah. that was published week by week. Yeah. Or if we want to be weirdos, we can talk about like comic books that are published week by week. Yeah. Because in a novel, your plot is really what, like, what is driving that, right? Yeah. There's a plot that happens and the characters change over the course of a novel. If the characters don't change, you'd call them a flat or a static character. In serializations, especially, like, films or continual remakes, like A Star is Born, the character is really the anchor that you're grabbing Mm -hmm. onto. You're grabbing onto this, like, concept of an aging actor, and they keep finding themselves in changing circumstances. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I wouldn't say in any of these films, like, Esther Blodgett changes from, like, when we see her at the end. Like, things happen to her and she reacts. But she doesn't. But her personality isn't changing. Um. Which is interesting because I think that's one of, you can definitely think about that in the context of, like, her personality is not changing, but it's also, the film grades it kind of as correct, whereas the personality as our first star grades it as incorrect because he dies at the end. Like, that personality that we are Mm -hmm. to be read according to Dyer's instructions or the instructions of a novel, like, that's wrong, she's right. She gets born. He doesn't. He dies. But I think the flip side of that is that really they're not doing anything wrong. Like, I don't think the film is like a diatribe against drinking. Like, even the early ones that were much more moralistic aren't like, if he had just stayed sober, everything would be okay. I think they really talk about how this this system that these stars are existing in is changing. And it means that this guy is like, suddenly doesn't have a place in the world. Because the world around him changed. Like, Chris Mm -hmm. Christopherson, I'm not even going to bother calling him John Norman Howard, is, like, the same guy front to back, and that's kind of the problem. Like, he doesn't adapt. 
he can't write new music. It's not interesting anymore. By the time he finally figures it out, no one really wants to hear his new music. Whereas Esther's like, I'm wearing pinstripe suits. I sing things about feminism. (laughs) (laughs) I sing about being alone and being okay with it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I sing a song called I Want Everything. Like that's, she's adapting to this new world and she's like ready for it in a way that Norman isn't. And that is sort of what the story is about, the changing her circumstances more than about, like, And yet, you're Norman still saying and or Esther developing that she and changing. technically doesn't change. So that's, like, really interesting, too, because it's like, oh, she's not changing. There's a difference between changing and, like, adapting correctly, or correctly as the movie, like, mm-hmm. wants you to. And when I say, like, the movie wants you to, it just means, like, you live or, like, you succeed like she does. Um, and that's why it's cool yep. to keep watching these movies. Your story is a triumph for her versus yeah, like a tragedy exactly. for him. Because, like, every one of these movies is essentially the same. We just see, like, these updated versions on how it decides the characters, kind of, or the personalities, or the stars themselves are adaptable, are changeable. I don't know. It's such an interesting, like, lens. I hope we keep making these things all the time. Same. We need to make yeah, that every 15 years. Sure. It's going to be great. So, so I do want to talk about, because we're, oh wow, we're actually, we've been recording for a long time. I want to talk about the particularities of this absolutely bad Oh my god, it is <laughs> bad shit. It's so long. Like, where do we okay, want to start? So, one, I'm going to talk about first, <laughs> like, here's the good news before the bad news. Um, I thought there were so many moments in this movie that were just, like, absolutely did not need to be there. But, like, they had incredible chemistry moments between the two characters. But, like, did they have to be there? 100% no. 100% no. My biggest change that I would make to this film, and it would solve both the problem of, like, the weird lack of sexual chemistry between Chris Christopherson and Barbara Streisand and the length. they had sexual chemistry? No, here's the thing. I thought it was so great until they actually touched like I thought their chemistry was like electric and then they would kiss and I would be like have these either of them ever kissed <laughs> anyone before they're... so you only like it until they're like really in would... the mansion and she, he like writes her name when she writes her name with the can of spray paint I like lost my shit I love that shit but then they put their mouths together and I'm like they it doesn't it looks so weird do you know why it looks weird because Barbara is like out of breath because she just like ran over behind the camera and she's like, action! And she then run ba- runs back over. <laughs> it's almost like they, every single kiss in this movie looks like they they couldn't shoot on the same day. So like Chris Christopherson <laughs> kissed a stand-in and then Barbara Streisand kissed a stand-in and then they try to like cut the footage together. Like a sort of good wife finale situation. Oh my god. Because <laughs> their mouths just like aren't moving together. Anyway. But I also... I think if you cut out like the, the 10 minutes of them actually making out. Yeah. The movie would be so much better. The thing is both of them I honestly thought gave such good performances that I still believed it. Like I thought... The acting and the emotion behind it was really good, but it was batshit how many of those weird moments were in the movie. I was like, you don't need this. And it's also interesting because, like, a lot of those moments, like, Bradley Cooper was like, I'm going to scoop those fuckers up. Yes! I was like, what? So I saw A Star is Born encore this Sunday, so like three days With ago. With the extra 12 theaters. minutes. <laughs> and I was like, yes. I was like, 
Holy shit, Bradley Cooper, you fixed it. You made her put on makeup on you in the bathtub and it worked. Whereas in a Barbara Streisand's A Star is Born, I'm like, get me out of that here. That was bad. I did not enjoy that. I, I curled up in a little ball watching that scene. Yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think like, I don't know, I love Chris Christopherson's performance in this movie so much. Every time he takes a bump of coke off of Gary Busey's fist. <laughs> you I fall love in love a little more. Yeah, I want to be clear. That happens... That happens, I'd say, four to five times in the movie. <laughs> um, I love his signature sort of psychedelic rock song, Watch Closely I like that he doesn't wear a shirt. I say, I like that his shirt is, if it's on, it's always unbuttoned. Till, like, the last button. The last, it's just, like, a, a deep V. And I, I think he gives, like, a really soulful performance. I think it's very naturalistic. Like, that is a guy who has played a lot of arenas and drank a lot of beer in his life. Like, easy. Yeah. Done. I then I think Barbara Streisand gives another performance interestingly <laughs> across from that. I don't I don't love her in this movie. She's like okay, I enjoyed her honestly, but mostly just cuz I like she's, her. The music is lovely. She's like funny and she's great, but it is in reading this Frank Pearson article, it's called My Battles with Barb and John <laughs> and it's about all the fights he had while trying to get this movie made. He talks a lot about how, like, Barbara Streisand was like, okay, I look really hot when I'm backlit, so, like, all the shots of me have to be backlit. And, like, they were. <laughs> like, can confirm. Like, every single <laughs> shot of Barbara Streisand is backlit. That so you can just tell that, like, the edit of Chris Christopherson's character is very much, like, not about performance or making him look handsome or all these other things, even though, again, on the record, he looks really hot. Barbara Streisand's edit seems very much like Barbara Streisand editing herself and really, like, we're going to look at Barbara Singh now. Yeah. Like, we're going to look at how beautiful she is now. I mean, yeah. I mean, this was Barbara's move. Like, she did it. She was like, I'm going to decide how I it's look. It's her baby. It's what she wanted. It was all the clothes from her closet as credited in the credits. Um, yes. and also the clothes, like, good job, Barb. Like, those clothes bo- were bomb. But again, it's like, it's weird that, like, we, like, Judy Garland, she's very established at the top. She has, like, her own yeah. little band that she performs with. Uh, she has two black backup singers. The band is called the Oreos. We're not going to talk I, about it. We I don't have time. There. I don't have the bandwidth for that. But, like, she, <laughs> she's already successful. She seems to own a house of some sort, a very large house. And she has all these beautiful clothes, and that, like, doesn't really change over the course of the film. Yeah. It's like she was already a star in a way that the other ones weren't. Like, you could see the transition, but you could really tell that Barb, like, knew... Do you like how we're close personal friends, and I'm calling her Barb? Um, yeah. No, yeah. You can tell that she knew she was gonna be... Like, she wasn't like, oh, little old me... And not like Judy Garland was like that either, but she'd like put in the time. But here Barb was like, I'm ready. I know it's a coming. But she did. Judy Garland is like, should I quit my day job and go on and go to the movie studio? This is a big risk I'm taking. And Barbara Streisand's first interaction with Chris Christopherson is like, shut up. I am singing. Yeah. Yeah. And then she never really questions like being pulled on stage or anything else. And the conflict there is really about like, she has this line where she says, you can wreck my life, but you're not going to wreck mine. And I think it's very much like he he is a supporter of her, his, her career, and then he becomes an obstacle. And I feel like there's no other real obstacles to her because she's a star and she doesn't, like, struggle in the recording studio. She doesn't struggle to write music. She doesn't 
She sort of alludes to struggles with her personal appearance, like a tiny bit. I, yeah. I don't know. I agree with you. But also because, like, this movie, where would you rank this? Like, I would make this number three. I would also put this on number three in the terms yeah, of the Yeah, of form. the ones we've seen so far. Uh, obviously, Judy, yeah. Gaynor, Barbara. Um, this was hard to get through. And I think... It was It was yeah. tough. It, not just because it was long, but, like, I liked Chris Christopherson's performance, but, like, you did have that understanding that Barbara Streisand was already there, and you were just, like, watching her get there the way she knew how to get there precisely how she was going to. If we're talking about, like, the, the meeting of star image and character... So, like, if we're talking about, you know, the star image of Chris Christopherson as this guy who wrote a ton yeah. of hits and then he became a rock star in his own right, and now he's sort of at the tail end of his career and he's becoming an actor, that interacts with the character of John Newborn Howard, who is, like, a barely functional alcoholic, and his band leaves him, and he is in a ton of debt. He's in, like, $200,000 in debt. All of those things, like, that's a star image and a character yeah. interacting, right? I see Barbara's star image on this film. Like, we come to it knowing that Barbara is an icon. We come to it, like, knowing what her style is. We come in knowing she's wearing her own clothes and she, like, decorated the set of her own house so it just looks like where she lives. But if you asked me, like, who's Esther Hoffman? Like, what's the character that's interacting with? I don't know what the answer to that is. Yeah, because it's Barbara. And it's not like she's playing against type, like Judy Garland was, where you're like, ooh, she's a drug addict, but she's playing this, like, up-and-coming star. Interesting. And it's not like Lady Gaga, where it's like, ooh, very different style. She's sort of coming into country and then going pop. It's just like, that's Barbara. Hmm. So this kind of, like, lends itself then to, like, less complexity talking about character and persona. Is, like, kind of the overall yeah, situation. Yeah, I think... I think- I think if you look at it, I think it sort of brings out the character that we saw in the Judy Garland one and then we're going to see in Lady Gaga. And it just kind of sh- throws it into sharp relief because we always say the plot is thin and like the characters aren't, are just sort of like these broad sketches. But you really see the lack of it yeah. with this film in a way you don't, I think, yeah. in the other ones. Even with Gaga and Bradley. Have we talked yeah. about um, their shallow performance? So yeah, we we this is the first episode we're recording after the Oscars, and um, if I talk about it, like I'll just melt into okay, a little puddle. Okay, next time then. They're in. Oh, one hundred percent. There's no denying it. It's, yeah. Speaking of love, um, critics hated *A Star Is Born* nineteen seventy six. Rotten Tomatoes so a thirty eight percent rating right now. <laughs> but you know who loved it? audiences like this movie was a fucking i get why kind of because like watching these people be in love is kind of weird and interesting and like quirky in a way that like like, intimate times are i don't know it was weird well like i rewatched that big concert scene that they film in phoenix like three times like i would go back to a theater to see that like i understand it so fun but i also thought their relationship was kind of weird to watch and i enjoyed it like sue me you know yeah it was good. I, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this was the, the third highest growing pic, uh, film of 1976. Wow. What were the other two? Do you know? Um, I can look at it right now. Um, highest grossing films that year. Number one was Rocky. Oh. <laughs> Number two was a movie called To Fly, <laughs> put out by the National Air and Space Museum. Uh, 
that only made six million more dollars. Interesting. Us. Yeah. Eh. Other films that came out this year were All the President's Men, The Omen, and The Jessica Long King Kong. Jessica Lang? Jessica, Jessica Lange. Lange. I don't actually know how to say her last name. Oh, Jessica yeah. Lang. Her King Kong. Oh, well. Um, but yeah, so A Star is Born was huge. And like A Star is Born 2018, it only won one Oscar. Do you know for what it was for, song. Casey? Right? For Evergreen. Yep, Evergreen. Yes, a title, well, technically the full title of Evergreen is Evergreen Parentheses, Love Theme from a Star is Born. <laughs> <laughs> this is very that is funny. Really funny. Um, so, oh, we have this kind of like weird, I would say, curse on the A Star is Born movies where like they expect mm-hmm. to get this like intense critical acclaim. And I mean, Judy should have gone, duh, but Gaga has missed out on it acting wise. So did Barb. None of them won Best Actress for it. Janet Gar, they were all nominated. No, was Barbara even nominated? I don't know. Maybe not. I didn't look. No one has ever won an acting prize from, um, yeah, she was not nominated. Um, no one's ever won an acting prize from A Star is Born, but they've all been nominated except for Chris Christopherson, which I think is mean. I know. He, he does. He did such a good job. But ever, other than him... All of the pairings have been nominated, so seven of eight actors have been nominated, and none of them have won. <laughs> but both of the Music of Stars Borns have won Best Original Song at the Oscars. Well, the songs always bop, so that makes sense. They are but, they're uh, great. Man Who Got Away is still my number one of all of them. I would say, oh, uh, uh, yeah, that's my number one. Yeah. Uh, so the rankings still stand. It's kind of like March Madness, yeah, but I think for <laughs> a star is born. <laughs> uh, singles? Uh, do you have anything else to add about this, this weird it's little not movie? A weird, it's a weird big movie. It made a lot of money and it's long as fuck. It's a weird, very large Very large movie. movie. We just don't make... We don't have concerts where you actually get 50,000 extras to show up and then, like, film it anymore. Like, that's just my jaw, like, dropped. That was pretty that, crazy. The opening scene. Or, no, the, the second concert Especially scene. now that, like, yeah, I don't see, like, outdoor. Well, I guess the new one had, like, they filmed that at, like, Wallapalooza or something, I think. But, like, the scale is not there. This is, like, a scene in broad daylight I know. with 50,000 people. The, that opening scene, though, was my incredible. My mom worked at the theater where they they shot the um, the indoor concert. That's a theater where my mom worked in the early 70s before they shot That's really it. cool. That looked like a crazy time. That was her little work-study job. Interesting. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say about this movie? <laughs> I wish I did. No, I just... I have just this weird relationship to the masculinity of the 70s that we'll just have to unpack at a later time. That might be for your therapist. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I want it to. Casey, that's why we have this friendship in this podcast is so I can talk about other things in therapy. Oh, Oh, yeah, me too. Wow, okay. This is a... This Are you telling me you didn't talk about a star as miles an hour down the highway? Oh no, I definitely. Oh, same, of course. Like, Who wouldn't? Only a psycho would go watch that movie and not come back to the therapist, <laughs> being like, "Why won't I ever have love like that?" <laughs> I just, I really have mixed feelings about Bradley Cooper cutting. Is that all right? <laughs> the theatrical oh, release. So, 
next week we will be talking about Bradley Cooper's A Star is Born. I am so excited to have an excuse to rewatch this movie. I will be watching it for the fourth time before we record for oh, it's absolutely only no reason. Three for me, but I'm good with it. I'm good with it. So I guess we can wrap this guy up. My name is Allison Raybar. And I'm Casey Schreiner. And this is What Did I Miss? And we got into college legitimately. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Both of those are true. Keep it in. Ha, 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 ha.